Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Blumenfield. Today's podcast is going to address the psychological issues of the victims and the potential victims of coronavirus. The people caring for them, such as the doctors, nurses, EMTs, and other first responders. The mental health professionals who are involved in supporting these groups, and also the members of the various media, print, TV, etc., who are also fully exposed to the psychological impact of this epidemic by the nature of their work. Of course, every one of us is a potential victim of this life-threatening disease. We know that if you are older or have a chronic disease, you are more susceptible. And of course, we know that transmission occurs by exposure to people who are infected. This knowledge creates conflicts about personal travel and business decisions, which can be quite agonizing and guilt-producing when there is a subsequent loss of business or personal opportunity, or if the decision leads to illness and potential fatalities. The nature of this disease often requires isolation and quarantine of people identified as being exposed to this illness. This situation, of course, can be quite psychologically painful to the persons involved as well as to their loved ones. However, modern technology now allows maintenance of face-to-face, relatively intimate contact via FaceTime, Skype, etc., so people can mitigate some of the fear, anxiety, and depression of this situation. As I will describe, video meetings can also be held via Zoom. Any situation that changes a person's usual interactions and travel patterns increases the possibility that there could be a temporary hiatus in the renewal of their regular medication. This can be important when a person is taking essential medications for diabetes, heart disease, and other illnesses. It can also be very important when people with mental symptoms run out of medications in such conditions as schizophrenia or other psychosis, bipolar disorder, anxiety, panic disorder, and of course, depression. This situation can be further exacerbated if pharmaceutical companies cannot get essential ingredients from international sources during this worldwide epidemic. Mental health professionals in the United States and in many other countries have established very sophisticated techniques for working with patients who have serious medical and even life-threatening conditions, as well as supporting the medical and nursing staff caring for them. There is a subspecialty of psychiatry, originally known as consultation liaison psychiatry, which now has been subsumed under the specialty known as psychosomatic medicine. Of particular note was the work of these specialists in dealing with the AIDS epidemic, as well as with burn and trauma patients, cancer, heart disease, and other illnesses. It should be noted that during the acute phase of illness, The ideal approach is for the patient or family members to meet individually or sometimes as a couple or family with a mental health professional when there are psychological issues. Sometimes, of course, clergy would be involved. At a later phase, there might be a referral to some specialized grieving group or groups with other people who have lost loved ones. Uh, Mental health professionals trained and experienced in this area of consultation liaison 
may be particularly appropriate to take the leadership role in the delivery of services, especially in running groups. Now, during the AIDS epidemic, there were particular fears among medical and nursing staff of contracting the disease, especially before the exact mode of transmission was understood. There were numerous other psychological issues for healthcare workers, victims, and families. In situations where there was mass casualties, such as when there were airline crashes or other disasters like the World Trade Center 9-11 incident where there were thousands of deaths, there were many psychological issues for the families and surviving victims and also for the first responders, including the psychological support teams themselves. More recently, mass casualty events, such as shootings or bombings, have raised similar issues, many of which may be similar to those which we will be seeing during this coronavirus epidemic. In the past, prior to 9-11, the usual approach where there were believed to be large numbers of psychological casualties, particularly among the first responder members or people in the media or even the psychological caregivers themselves, was to use the CISD method, the Critical Incident Stress Debriefing Approach. This is a technique where a specific group of people, such as doctors, nurses, EMT, members of the media, or even mental health personnel, would meet in a group with a psychological consultant who would lead them in a discussion of the difficult experience that they had been through. For example, after a plane crash or a terrible tornado, the police, firemen, EMTs, or even the, the reporters would recount the horrible sights and sounds that they had seen. They might, be, they might be describing seeing dead children or maimed victims. This technique was based on a catharsis model, which might encourage the participants to let it all out tell about their experiences, nightmares, fantasies, and encourage them to discuss how they thought about their own families and personal thoughts while they were going through this terrible experience. While such a technique might be helpful in an individual therapy or even in a, a group therapy or, or a treatment dealing with less acute situations, such as sharing a struggle with substance abuse, Many experts soon realize that having each person recount their own painful, horrific experience in this group setting was not helpful. In fact, to the contrary, such situations were more likely to intensify the anxiety, panic, and worry of the other participants in the group. It's a different situation when someone's in psychotherapy and they're reflecting back on a difficult time in their life and they bring up some painful memory and then gradually let down their psychological defenses. Or even in a group therapy situation, one person may recall a difficult memory or a current struggle and it gets the support of the other group members, most of whom are not struggling with the similar acute issues. The CISD model, the Critical Incident Stress Debriefing, although very well-meaning, in my opinion, was not effective. In fact, I believe it has the potential to magnify the problems of the other group members and sometimes would break down psychological defenses which were helpful at that moment. 
This doesn't mean that there's no value for specific groups to meet under the guidance of a mental health professional. But the approach, in my opinion, should be one that is supportive and affirmative. The group meeting with a leader might address several areas depending on the makeup of the group. This would usually not be, there would usually not be any reason to mix the members of the group. For example, there's no need to have uh, first responders in the same group as the mental health professionals or in the same group as the clergy or reporters. If group work is being done, they ideally should be in their own group. Depending on the makeup of the group, there are some potential issues specific groups might address. As I will emphasize, in the case of all group meetings, and in many cases in individual meetings, because of the potential spread of the coronavirus, rem remote face-to-face -face techniques should be considered and often will be the preferred form of meetings. In other words, they don't have to meet as a group together, but they can use a system such as Zoom. Zoom is an excellent system for conferencing with individuals and small groups. Participants do not need to have an account. They can see each other, but yet not be in the same room. One can also draw on a whiteboard for everyone to see. All right, now let's look at specific groups that might be set up. First of all, let's look at group meetings conducted by a mental health professional with police, fire, EMTs, doctors, nurses, and other identified groups such as lab technicians, coroner's office, etc. As I said before, when possible, the groups should be homogeneous. And although they often work side by side, the various groups, there are individual situations that each group deals with and there's often a spree de corps that would suggest that the group meetings should be homogeneous. As I previously stressed, using remote communication methods such as Zoom should be considered because of the nature of the contagious process that is confronting us. However, since these groups often do assemble regularly for assign briefings and assignments, a portion of that meeting could be designated for discussion of mental health issues. All right, but whether it's in person or remotely, here are some of the mental health issues that could be discussed. One, a general review of the symptoms that the people whom they are helping may be experiencing and review the resources that are available where they can refer any of the primary victims who need such assistance. The medical providers should be reminded also to check and see if their patients have adequate medicine supplies for any mental health or other medical conditions. Two, they should stress the importance of how caregivers themselves should be getting adequate sleep and when possible spending time with their families. I mean, not only should the primary care victims be doing this, but so should the mental health care workers. When possible, it is valuable to arrange for a periodic acknowledgement by superiors or other government officials of the appreciation and value of the work that they are doing. 
When this can be arranged, it can be an important morale builder during difficult times. And one could bring these people into a, a Zoom meeting, or if you were meeting in person, have them drop in and acknowledge uh, the value of their work. That can, as I said, that can be an important morale builder. Acknowledgement that it's not unusual for people in their position to have symptoms of anxiety, depression, and bad dreams. And at the same time that you're reminding them that they may have symptoms and acknowledging that they may have symptoms, I suggest that they don't encourage group discussions of individual difficulties or psychological symptoms that any members, individual members of the group may be having. That would be the CISD method. However, most important would be providing contact information where any individual could have a confidential meeting with a mental health professional. Okay, so let's move on. We discussed the group meetings just now with run by mental health professionals with police, fire, EMTs, doctors, nurses, uh, and other groups. Now let's look at group meetings with the mental health professionals themselves run by a mental health professional knowledgeable about mass trauma. Now, mental health professionals are usually comfortable working together, and it would be quite appropriate to have psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, and mental health nurses, etc., all meeting together. As previously stated, because of the contagious nature of the disease process, remote group meetings may be necessary or advisable. And, this, and if there are people who have, have experience in the consultation liaison model of providing support to patients with, with serious illness and trauma, as well as in support of the medical and nursing staff, it would be appropriate for those people the ones with experience in the CL, or consultation model, to take the leadership role in running the group for the mental health professionals themselves. In the initial meeting of this group, and this is the group with the mental health professionals run by a mental health professional, it, there, there would be the opportunity to assess the mental health professional resources available and identify those with ap applicable experiences. There would be a, a need to designate who would run the sessions for particular groups noted above and who would be available for individual counseling or therapy sessions. Depending on the contacts and the relationships, there could be designated mental health professionals who could reach out and offer support to the various leadership people involved in the crisis situation, including various agencies, and even the political leadership themselves. It would be appropriate for the designated experienced mental health professional who's gonna be the leader to review with the group, in this case, the mental health group, the nature of psychological problems that they would be dealing with uh, in the groups that they run or individual sessions that they run and review the symptoms of fear, anxiety, separation issues, depression, PTSD, grief, etc., which would be occurring in the patients that they would be taking care of individually or in groups. This would likely be something that the mental health professionals are familiar with, but some may not usually work in this area on a day-to-day -day basis, so it's worthwhile 
reviewing it with them. The review should also include the approach to children and how to answer their concerns and questions in an age-related manner. There should also be a discussion of the importance of avoiding the CISD approach in a group setting, as I previously discussed, as we don't want to encourage those with significant symptoms to be going into detail in the group meetings, but rather those people with significant symptoms should be referred for individual sessions. Also, it's important to remind the mental health care workers of the importance of that needed, recognizing that needed medications for mental health and other conditions may be interrupted and that they should consider if substitute prescribers can be provided and if emergency medications can be provided. Also, since there is often loss of life, it's valuable for the mental health professionals to have an alliance with the clergy who can be helpful with acute grieving and general support for many people. And finally, during these group meetings with the mental health professionals, the importance of their valuable role should be reinforced. Um, it's, it's important to acknowledge how valuable they are as, as part of a morale builder for them. At the same time, the potential impact on themselves should be acknowledged and there should be a method for any of them to have individual, confidential mental health support. And finally, I want to discuss the situation of having group meetings with members of the media conducted by mental health professionals. During the course of a disaster situation or a public health crisis, members of the media are usually totally involved on a full-time basis. They become knowledgeable of the seriousness of the situation and the threat to life, sometimes even more so than the general public. They frequently interview the victims and their families, as well as the various first responders and others knowledgeable about the seriousness of the crisis at hand. This group can include reporters, commentators, producers, camera people, etc. A group meeting with them where there is acknowledgement that it's not uncommon for them to have symptoms can be helpful at the same time reminding them that they play an important supportive role in the mental health of their audiences. As previously discussed, the CISD method should be avoided in group meetings, but certainly individual confidentially, confidential counseling sessions should be made available as needed. I would like to now conclude with a brief vignette concerning the important psychological role of the media in supporting the worried public at the time of a major incident. Shortly after the 9-11 World Trade Center incident, I was scheduled to do a psychological briefing with various members of the media. And the night before, I received a telephone call from a family member. She told me she had a dream that a well-known TV news personality was comforting her about this horrific event. In my meeting with the media people, I used that story 
to show them how they provided emotional support as well as the news. At the end of my meeting with the media people, one of the participants came up to me and told me she was the senior producer for the network personality my relative dreamt was comforting her, and she was sure he will be very pleased to learn that he appeared in a comforting role in her dream in addition to providing the news. My relative was also very surprised and comforted to hear that he would know about her dream. This concludes this podcast. A copy of this presentation can be found on psychiatrytalk.com. This is Michael Blumenfield bidding you a pleasant day.